0: Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. We hope these messages encourage, convict, and inspire you to love and follow Jesus more faithfully as we seek to saturate our city with the hope of the gospel. Our online resources are meant to serve you, but they aren't a replacement for the face-to-face relationships that we were built for. So we really hope that if you're in Owensboro, you'll join us in person on a Sunday morning. And if you live elsewhere, you'll find a local church in your community where you can put down roots and find family. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.
1: Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Andy, and I'm one of the pastors here at Pleasant Valley. And this morning, we are wrapping up our summer of wisdom as we've been walking through the book of Proverbs. And so as we've studied Proverbs, you know that King Solomon, he was the ruler of the nation of Israel, and he he constructed the most magnificent temple of the Lord in history. Uh, He was the one whom the scriptures say God gifted with so much wisdom and understanding that there is countless as the grains of sand on the seashore. This guy wrote most of the Proverbs uh, to the young people of the nation of Israel who would one day rule the nation, including his actual sons. And so by writing the book of Proverbs, he is passing on wisdom to the next generation uh, of people. And so passing on wisdom to the next generation, I think, is arguably one of the most important things that we can do, whether it's your own children or, or through ministering to and influencing others uh influencing children and having an impact on future generations is the one thing that will outlast us for decades after we're gone. I've heard it said that Christianity is always only one generation away from extinction. And so that's why raising our kids and our grandkids and serving back in Valley kids and in our student ministry and investing in that next generation is so crucial and important to the gospel going forward. As Taryn and I have become parents, uh, we've had to start thinking about how we're raising up our son, Link, in the way of wisdom and being careful to raise him up to be wise and and about the things that we're passionate about. And so we've raised him up to be passionate about a lot of the things we are, and that's why he loves The Office so much. (laughs) Yeah, You didn't hear it at the very beginning. Uh, Every time that comes on, he just starts screaming, yes, 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 as soon as it comes on, because he's just so excited. We're trying to raise him up to be passionate about the things that we're passionate about. Uh, And the things that we care about and and what we pass, they tend to be the things that we pass on to our children. And in the Proverbs, Solomon is passing on to his kids wisdom, wisdom that ultimately leads to the knowledge of God and to human flourishing. And so as we finish our series to the book of Proverbs this morning, and we dig in specifically to Proverbs chapter two, the central question of the message today is this, where do we find wisdom? Where do we find wisdom and how does that change everything about how we live our lives? So Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So this first section, it's structured with a bunch of if-then statements. So you guys are familiar with if-then statements from back in school. Like, if you do this, then this will happen. So if you jump in the water, then you'll get wet. If you don't pay your OMU bill, then it's going to get dark. (laughs) If you throw the ball to Dane Key, then Kentucky will score a touchdown. Like, it's just these things happen. If-then statements. So this passage has a bunch of ifs in a row. If you do this, if you do this, if you do this, then what? Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So if you do these things, then you will find wisdom. So what are they? Well, the first way that we find wisdom is through open ears and open hearts to God's word. Verse two, my son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, Verse five, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So Solomon's giving instruction to his son here. So you might be thinking, okay, well, that's for him and his son. What does that really have to do with us, though? So if you're newer to the Bible, it's important to know that when you're reading God's word, there's actually a lot going on there. So the Bible was written by men, a whole bunch of them, uh, over thousands of years in three different languages and organized into 66 books. And so while there are a lot of different biblical authors and, and different books of the Bible, at Pleasant Valley, we believe that though there are a lot of different books and a lot of different voices and a lot of different biblical authors, we think the Bible is one big story written by one author ultimately, and that's God himself. So God is writing the Bible, but there are tons of different authors. So how does that work? Well, we believe that, the, that each biblical author, they're writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So now that doesn't mean the Spirit just like put them in a trance and they blacked out and they woke up and like, oh, the book of Job, I guess the Holy Spirit wrote that. Like, no, like the, the, the Holy Spirit works through them writing in their own minds. They wrote in different genres. They wrote with their unique personalities and perspectives and wit. And so they wrote the scriptures to specific people in specific places, in specific points in time, yet at the same time, the holy spirit is inspiring it in such a way that he's working through them that it's a part of god's revelation to all of humanity. so we'd say the bible has a divine human author. so it was written by humans in certain contexts to certain people in time. yet at the same time the holy spirit is inspiring it in such a way that it's god's word to all people for all time. so it's pretty cool how that works. so Solomon here, he's writing in a particular time and a place in ancient Israel, writing to a particular group of people, the the youth of the nation, including his sons. And yet at the same time, God is writing this wisdom for us today. So the very first place that Solomon says to find wisdom in verse two is by receiving God's words and treasuring up his commandments. So receiving this Bible we're talking about as God's word, the way that God has spoken and treasuring it up. And don't miss this making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. So I think most of us on a surface level would would agree with Solomon here. Yeah, wisdom is found in receiving God's word and, and treasuring his commandments. Like if you're here, you're probably not completely opposed to the Bible. Like you recognize the Bible is probably a place to find some sort of wisdom. That's the easy answer. Like most of us would say that with our mouths, but the hard part is the application of that. Are we actually opening our ears to God's wisdom and opening our hearts to understanding? We live in a society in which we have more information than we've ever had before. There are so many different voices coming at us from every different direction. You've got TV, you've got news, social media, you've got friends, family, TikTok, YouTube, but like there's so much noise. And yet we would say that we treasure God's word, but are we really listening to his voice in it? We have more information flying at us than ever before, and yet I believe true wisdom is something that most people have no idea how to find. Like, we're bombarded with a thousand opinions about everything, from the best way to wrap a brisket to how you should discipline your children, and everybody's 100% sure that they are right. Information is everywhere, yet wisdom is elusive. And I think one of the most detrimental developments in our culture that makes wisdom so hard to find is that so much of the time we close our ears and we close our hearts to the truth. We kind of decide what we're going to believe about things, and we decide who we're going to follow, and we decide who we're going to support. And then we close our ears and our hearts to any voices that might upset the status quo. We follow talking heads and TikTok theologians that we trust because they're on our team. And I think sometimes their voices can become louder than the voice of God in our lives. For many of us, I think that if we're being honest, we spend more time listening to people talking about God's word than we actually do listening to God's real voice in his word. Guys, I want to challenge us all with a question this morning. How much time do we actually spend in God's word, encountering God in the scriptures and opening our hearts and our ears to receive his infallible truth? I'm afraid if we're being honest, for many of us, it's not that much, at least not compared to all the other voices that are in our lives. And I think that's a dangerous place to be because every other voice that we do listen to is flawed in some way. At best, the voices that we listen to might be well intentioned, but misinformed and imperfect at times. At worst, those voices have an agenda whether it be to get you riled up to get more clicks and advertising revenue, or they're trying to sell you something, or, or maybe they're demonic voices that are distorting God's truth and spreading wickedness. Or or maybe they're, they're genuine, like these people, these voices we're listening to are genuine, but they're just genuinely wrong. Guys, every human voice, including mine, like maybe especially mine, every human voice is, is fundamentally flawed because they are imperfect and marred by sin. And so they can't be our primary intake of truth. So is it wrong to listen to friends and and family and pastors and theologians and, and different people that we trust? Well, absolutely not. Like we need people in our lives. We need those other voices in our lives. But we have to be careful that those voices don't become louder than the voice of God through his scriptures. So we have to stay rooted in God's word as the primary source of truth and wisdom in the world. And we have to open our ears and our hearts to being confronted and changed by it. And then we have to let that be the lens through which we see everything else. So, so don't try, as best as we can, we're, we're flawed, we're sinners, we can't do this perfectly. But as best as we can, we can't read our the Bible through our lens of experience and our lens of what we think about things and our preconceived notions and opinions. We don't project our thoughts onto the Bible and let our that be the lens of our understanding. We have to let the Bible itself and God's revealed word in the scriptures be the lens through which we see every other issue. So we don't read our opinions and our politics into God's word. We don't pull little verses out, the proof text, what we already think. We let the Bible be the lens through which we interpret every other issue. And that's going to get messy if you actually do that, because that probably won't put you neatly into a man-made category. But that might get you out of your theological box a little bit. Uh, that, that might you get, get you out of your comfort zone a little. And and honestly, I think that's okay because our allegiance isn't ultimately to a worldly tribe, but to a heavenly kingdom and God's way of wisdom. So the first way that Solomon says to find wisdom is through opening our ears and our hearts to God's word. The second way that we find wisdom is through relationship with God. So Solomon builds on his point here. If he, If you wanna have open eyes and hearts that can understand wisdom, in verse three, he says, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, verse 5, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. So how do we find wisdom and understand God's word? Scripture says to call out for it, raise our voice for it. Some translations say to cry out for it. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Sometimes I think we have not because we ask not. We seek wisdom everywhere else except from the one person that can actually give it. So I have a confession to make to you guys this morning. Um, I am a compulsive Googler. I Google absolutely everything. Like if I have a question about something, I just hop on my phone, I try to get an answer. Like even just weird stuff. I want to know the answer to everything just because in my brain, like, hey, I've got this magic little box of glass and metal that can tell me anything I could possibly want to know. I want to know the answer. Like, what is the best way to wrap a brisket? Because there is a right answer to that. There are, like, all these things that we want to know through our phones. And so uh, it's just crazy to think, like, I can just hold down this button, and I can ask Siri any question in the world that I want to know, and she's going to give me an answer to that or send me to an article about it or something. Like, it's, it's really amazing the amount of information that we have at our fingertips. But the problem with that, I think, is that for some of us, if it's just based on the questions that we're asking and where we're going to get wisdom... Google might know us better than God. I mean, think about it. Something happens. You need wisdom. What do you do? For me, just being transparent, a lot of times I go to this thing. Like I, I Google it. I text my friends. I I call my dad. I I talk to. Like I use this thing to talk to somebody else first when I've got an issue that I need to know how to deal with. I open this thing up and I fire up Google and I I search for it. How do I fix a leaky faucet? What's the safe internal temperature of chicken? Can I really wear brown shoes with a gray suit? I think that's actually a no. (laughs) How do I know if that girl's into me? Anybody done that one before? (laughs) What are the symptoms of colon cancer? How can I stop being so anxious all the time? Is my husband cheating on me? Am I an alcoholic? Reasons to get a divorce. Guys, our phones know us better than anyone. Like we search for things, we we Google questions, we seek wisdom about things that we would never say out loud to somebody else. Really, your search history probably knows you better than your spouse does. We go to all sorts of different places to try to figure out what to do when something happens. And we often try to do that alone or using tools like our phones and our own self-sufficiency and our pride. We don't spend time with the Lord. We don't go to him first. We don't pray. Or if we do, we we throw up a quick one before bed or before a big meeting to try to ask for his blessing on our our business. But, But we're really not getting deep into our junk. And we're not confessing our sin and we're not asking for God's guidance and wisdom, for the most part, I think many of us are trying to do it on our own. Maybe that's American individualism bred into us. Maybe it's just selfishness. I I think for many of us, it's because if we really opened up about our fears and our anxieties in the areas that we need wisdom, we're scared of how people might respond. We hide, just like in the garden, because deep down we carry a lot of fear and shame. And that shame, which drives us to hide from God and not to take our burdens to him and cry out for help, I think that's one of the greatest barriers to finding wisdom. But what if I told you that there was a person who fully knows everything about you, every difficulty, every struggle, every failure, every fear and anxiety, And this person who knows you better than you really understand yourself, he knows everything about you and he fully loves you and accepts you in spite of that. And he longs for relationship and openness with you. He longs for you to cry out for wisdom. Somebody that you can cry out to in your uncertainty and who will guide your paths despite your foolishness. Somebody who cares and has promised to never leave you or forsake you. Guys, God is so near If you're going through something right now, and I know that everybody is in some way or another, if you're not, you're about to just know you're not alone. God is near. Last Sunday, we spent some time praying for several families that are just going through a unique season of suffering right now. And it's been crazy because since we did that, like this week, it's like the floodgates open. We just heard so many stories of so many people dealing with so much brokenness. And it's really cool. because just in God's providence, this was planned like over a year ago when we set the preaching calendar. But in two weeks, Pastor Jameis is going to preach a whole sermon. Our whole service is going to be geared around God's presence in suffering. And so two weeks, make sure you're here for that. It's going to be a really powerful service. But in the meantime, in the short time that I have this morning, I'll just say this about suffering. Life in a fallen world is tough. There is so much heartache and loss and sickness and sin that is lingering while we wait for the hope of Jesus' return. And we know that that rescue is coming, and so we don't lose hope. We know it's, it's going to get better on that last day, but in the meantime, it's really, really hard while we wait. And so when you're in the middle of the storm, when you're facing difficult decisions or situations and you just don't know what to do, don't try to walk through it alone. When life is hard and that marriage is failing and you get that health report and you don't know what to do, don't try to deal with it in your own strength. Don't turn to all the worldly sources of false wisdom. Cry out, Proverbs says, for true wisdom from your heavenly Father. Spend time with him. Pray. Raise your voice for understanding cry out to him, Father, I don't know what to do. Like, I've got this report. I'm going through this thing. God, I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom. I need your guidance. I need your strength because I can't do it on my own. And I really believe in that moment, one of God's greatest gifts to us is the gift of his presence with us in that suffering. So let your anxiety in those moments be an engine that drives your prayer life. When something happens, prayer. Like I'm, I'm worried about this thing, man. Let that drive you to prayer. This, this hard thing has just happened, and I don't know what to do, man. Pray. Like train yourself, almost like Pavlov's dog. Like when something happens, when I start to feel worry, I go straight to prayer. Let your anxiety become your superpower that keeps you grounded in prayer every moment of every day because you need the Lord more than anything else. So ask the Lord for guidance and direction and understanding. And scripture promises that he will pour it on you generously. So we find wisdom through opening our ears and our hearts to God's word. We find wisdom through crying out to God in relationship with him. Finally, the third way that we find wisdom is by seeking and searching for it urgently. Verse four, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. So what if I told you right now, somewhere in this room, underneath one of your seats, uh, taped to the bottom of your chair, we cleaned out the building fund. There's a check for $1 million underneath one of the chairs in this room. And the first person to find it, bring it up here to me. I will write your name on it. We'll sign that thing. It's yours. Fair game. Up for grabs. Nobody's jumped up yet. so thankfully you guys know that I'm kidding. But, but like if that were true, what would you guys be doing right now? But you'd be going crazy. people'd be flipping chairs over you'd be like throwing elbows like people'd be losing their salvation out here trying to get that check, right like like we would be in there trying to get that money because that is our greatest treasure in that moment that's the kind of money that can really change things. The most important thing in the world in that moment would be flipping these chairs open to get that check. You wouldn't be thinking about where you're going for lunch. You wouldn't be wondering about Kentucky's roster for next season. You wouldn't be uh, you know, getting bored by the preaching and wishing Jameis would hurry up and get back. No, you, you'd be flipping chairs over and trying to find that prize because that would be the greatest treasure in that moment. Solomon says that our quest for wisdom should be like that. God's wisdom, his word, his commandments, his guidance, his voice should be the most important thing in the world to us. We should be driven to seek it so urgently that it's like trying to find a hidden treasure. It becomes the most important thing. So why is that? What's the motivation to seek wisdom so urgently? Well, I think the rest of the chapter gives us that answer. So let's, let's look to God's word and see why the search for wisdom should be so urgent. Verse six, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of the saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman and the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of God. For her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So you walk in the way of the good and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So wisdom comes, Proverbs says, from the Lord. And we seek it urgently like that million-dollar check because without it, we're in trouble. Like God's wisdom, Proverbs says, delivers us from the way of evil. There's a lot of foolishness out there. There's a lot of wisdom that really is just dressed up sin. Like God's wisdom delivers us from the way of evil, but but there are a lot of voices that sound wise, but according to Proverbs, their path is crooked and lead to destruction and death. So be careful who you listen to. Be careful which counselors you go to. Be careful what advice you take. Weigh it all against God's word because our culture tells us things like, follow your heart, do what feels good. You deserve this. Be true to yourself. There's so much brokenness that has come from the smooth words of this world that sound wise, but ultimately lead people down the path of destruction. And so rooting ourselves in God's wisdom is the only hope that we have to protect ourselves from the schemes of the enemy, because every other path leads to death. That's why Solomon says to search for it like a hidden treasure, because more than you need that million-dollar check— You need the fear and knowledge of God, because you can get rich and have everything the world has to offer and still go to hell. What good is it to gain the world and lose your soul? In verses 21 through 22, Solomon closes this chapter. He says, for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it, but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. So what's it talking about here? That's kind of weird, right? Like, what's he talking about inhabiting the land? Well, I don't have the time to fully unpack it, but essentially in the Old Testament, when you see references to the land, it's talking about the land of promise. So the, the promised land that God promised his people all the way back in Genesis And we see that promised land eventually becomes the kingdom of Israel. And so it's talking to the land of Israel. And it's also used metaphorically throughout the Old Testament to refer not only to the actual physical land boundaries of their nation, but also more generally to God's promise and his blessing. So we seek the Lord. We seek his wisdom urgently like a hidden treasure. Proverbs says, because the upright, those who walk in wisdom, will inherit God's promises and remain in His blessing. So the wise will inherit the kingdom of God, but the wicked, those who reject God and His ways, will be cut off from blessing and promise. Now, we could end the sermon right there, but if we did, we would have a really big problem. Because what I've preached so far is actually really terrible news for all of us. Because there, you know, there's all these if-then statements, right? Like, like if we do this, then we get God's blessing. Because If God's blessing is dependent upon our ability to seek wisdom, then we're in a lot of trouble because none of us is able to seek wisdom on our own. I hope this summer, as we've been studying the book of Proverbs, as we've all been been going into God's word here in Proverbs, that we've been reminded of our own sinfulness and our own lack of wisdom. Like, if you read Proverbs and and you read about what wisdom is, and you're just thinking, yep, check, got it. I'm the wise person. I deserve God's blessing. Uh, I I got this wisdom thing nailed. Like, if that's you, you're in a really dangerous place because Proverbs is really clear. The person who finds themselves wise in their own eyes is actually a fool. When we read the book of Proverbs, if we're being honest with ourselves, we should be pointed to our own foolishness and our own sin. Solomon wrote to his sons. I mean, this is what we just read. For the upright will inhabit the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land, and the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Do You know what happened to his sons? Like, within one generation of Proverbs, what happened to his sons? They didn't follow the Lord. They walked in wickedness. They basically did the opposite of everything Solomon is saying there in the Proverbs. and, And they were cut off from the land. The nation of Israel fell. They were sent into exile and utterly destroyed. And guys, we've all done the exact same thing in our own sin and rebellion. Proverbs was never meant, I don't think, to be the ultimate path to wisdom because fallen humanity never held up their end of the bargain. So when you read the book of Proverbs, you're not the wise person. Like when Solomon talks about the fool in Proverbs, he's talking about you. In your Taylor Swift moment of the week before Jameis gets back, I'm the problem. It's me. Like we are the fools of Proverbs. And that's why Jesus came. The message of Proverbs is not work harder, try more, be more wise. It's not a set of moralistic standards or things that we try to achieve on our own to find wisdom. Proverbs points us to our need for Jesus. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of Proverbs. He's the wise son who walked perfectly in the path of righteousness. He's the upright one who walked in integrity and he inherited the land and the promises of God. Jesus Christ is the embodiment of wisdom. And so as we wrap up our study through the book of Proverbs, it's kind of like the end of an episode of Scooby-Doo where they tie up the ghost and they pull the mask off and and surprise, it was actually old man Jenkins all along. Like, Like Proverbs was about Jesus all along. Like the whole time we've been talking about Jesus Christ as we've studied through the book of Proverbs. So we don't read Proverbs to get a list of things to do to be wise and to earn God's blessing. We read Proverbs to learn about Jesus, to learn his wisdom, to learn about the life of wisdom and blessing that he gives Not to try to do all these things to try to earn it, but to give Jesus glory because he earned it. And now we're free to rest in him and actually pursue wisdom through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't miss that distinction. That's a really crucial distinction in Christianity. It's not do these things and then you'll be wise and receive God's blessing. It's No, you're a fool, but Jesus is the wise son who loved you. And who saved you and who made you new and who fulfilled the law's demands. And now he invites you to rest in him and pursue the life of wisdom described in Proverbs by the work of the Holy Spirit. So you don't get the credit for keeping the Proverbs and being a wise person. Jesus gets all the glory for keeping the Proverbs and inviting you into his life of wisdom. Proverbs is all about Jesus. Jesus is the one who opens our ears and our hearts to God's word. Jesus is the one through whom we can have relationship with God. Jesus is the treasure that we seek and search for urgently, like that million-dollar check. Jesus is the wisdom that guards us from the way of evil and the allure of sin. So to answer our question from the beginning, where do we find wisdom? In Jesus True wisdom is found in Jesus. He is our greatest need. And by seeking him and his kingdom, God brings us into the life of wisdom that we see described in the Proverbs. And so as we close out this study together this morning, I want us to take that central question from the beginning. Where do we find wisdom? And I want to turn it around on ourselves. Where are you looking to find wisdom? Like when things get hard or you're facing a big decision or or, and you're not exactly sure what to do, where do you go first? Do you go to a friend? Do you go to your spouse first? Do you research best practices? Do you uh, go to Reddit and try to find out what the community thinks? Do you try to rest in your own wisdom and self-sufficiency? Or do you turn to Jesus? There's an invitation here today because we all need wisdom. Whether you're facing a tough decision or, or you have a rebellious child or, or a family member that's gone off the deep end and you don't know how to help them. Maybe it's a medical issue and, and you have a lot of fears and anxieties about what's going to happen and how you're supposed to deal with this. Or, or maybe things are going okay for the most part, but, but you're just feeling kind of lost. You're not sure if you're in the right career or if you're doing the right things as a parent or or just what you're supposed to do next. You know you need wisdom for whatever you're facing. But guys, I would say more than that, you need Jesus. And when we pursue Jesus, he leads us into all wisdom. So if you shoot for wisdom, you're probably just gonna find anxiety there. But if you shoot for Jesus, you're gonna find wisdom and peace every time. I know for some of you, that might be hard. Maybe you're newer to Christianity and you're not quite sure how to do that. We have a ministry team every single week wearing navy blue lanyards um, that are gonna be up here by the front and by the the back exits here in just a second. They would love to talk to you and to pray with you uh, about whatever you're going through. They would love to help you learn how to follow Jesus Um, So if you're newer to the faith and you want to learn more about how to follow Jesus and how to rest in his wisdom, um, or if you just need prayer and and you're going through something and you just love people to pray for you, I can tell you, nothing would make these brothers and sisters more happy than praying with you today. So please do that. Uh, They'll be up here and they'll be in the back. Please come pray with them. But I think for many of us, yeah, we're we're Christians, we're, we're following Jesus, but maybe we've been in a dry season. Like we've not been in the word, our, our prayer life is a joke, like it's just not going well for us, and, and we're just racked with anxiety. We don't know what to do. We, we're just really struggling, but the thought of crying out to Jesus is hard because we have so much shame about our distance and our failures. Just thinking, man, I, I've been such a bad Christian, I, I'm just ashamed to even go to my father anymore. Well, that video we showed at the beginning of the service of our son, Link, losing his mind, screaming, yes, 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 about the office, that was really funny, but, but it's actually a really big deal to us, because up until recently, that wouldn't have happened. Um, when he was about to turn two, we realized something was a little off, because he wasn't talking. He wasn't even really trying to, and, and so every day, his silence grew more and more concerning, and so we, we talked to his doctor, and uh, he was diagnosed with a speech delay. So that's super common. Many of you guys have dealt with that. But, but it still kind of rocked us a little bit. You go through all the parent guilt of, okay, well, is this our fault? What did we do wrong? What did we not do right? Like, what's going on here? And, um, you know, eventually you come to terms with the fact that kids are just different and they develop differently. It doesn't necessarily mean you, you failed at anything. But uh, we got him at a, an amazing speech therapist that's been doing a great job with us and helping him catch up on his expressive language. And, and right now he's doing great. He, we can't get him to be quiet. His favorite thing to do right now is he uh, runs around the house yelling butt and smacking his rear end, which is. mom was really happy when I taught him that. Uh, (laughs) But my, my point with sharing that is this. He was silent for a really long time. We didn't hear from him at all, though we longed to. But when he finally started trying to talk, when he finally started stringing together syllables and screaming yes every time the office comes on, our response wasn't to sit back with our arms crossed and say, well, it's about time. It wasn't, we're so disappointed in you. It wasn't, you're a terrible son because you've been so distant and silent. How could you do that? No, that would be horrible. When we finally heard from our son, we were overjoyed. Every little imperfect way that he tried to communicate with us, it was a reason for us to throw a party. If your relationship with your heavenly father has been marked with silence and distance, if you've been looking for wisdom in all the wrong places, Don't continue living in shame and distance any longer because God's not sitting up in heaven with his arms crossed mad at you for your failures. I believe, like the story of the prodigal son, he is waiting to throw you a party and shower you with the gift of wisdom. So whatever you're going through right now, don't be afraid to take it to Jesus. Cry out for wisdom. Open your ears to understanding doesn't have to be fancy. You don't have to have all the theological words. Just cry out like a little two-year-old child, Abba, Father. It's exactly what Jesus told us to do. And as you begin to to speak and to cry out to Jesus, rest in the presence of a God who cares about you more than you can possibly understand. And he is so excited to listen and to love you and to lead you into the path of wisdom. So let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your promise, the promise of your presence, the promise to love us, to never leave us, that we have been so distant, that we have tried to uh, do the Proverbs on our own, that we have tried to find wisdom and make all these decisions on our own and and ultimately have walked in the paths of foolishness. God, we we are so thankful for your promise to never leave us or forsake us. God, I pray for anybody in this room that's been distant, who's been... uh, separate from you that has not been trusting in Jesus for their ultimate wisdom and guidance. God, I pray that you would bring them home today. God, that you would free them from any shame or guilt or condemnation and that you would restore the joy of their salvation. God, we know that your your burden is easy, your yoke is light. And so God, I pray that you would just free us to stop trying so hard and start resting in Jesus. And God, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit that you would give us the gift of wisdom, that you would help us to discern the right paths, that you would give us the steps for every right and good decision, for the good of your glory and the flourishing of our city. God, that Owensboro and the nations would be a more beautiful place because of the wisdom you have inspired through your Holy Spirit and the glory that you are spreading to the ends of the earth. God, we love you. We pray this all in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thanks for checking out sermons from Pleasant Valley Community Church. For more resources and to give financially to support the missions and ministries of Pleasant Valley, find us on social media or visit our website at www.pleasantvalley.cc.